Hey everyone, Joe Soto here, and we've got a great episode for you today. We have Mark Victor Hansen and his wife, Crystal, on the show with us today. We're going to talk about the power of asks. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is the Not Your Average Joe Show, where each week we bring you sales, marketing, and mindset strategies you need to get to your next level. And now, here's your host, international business mentor, Joe Soto. All right, we've got Mark Victor Hansen. We've got Crystal Dwyer Hansen with us. You guys are amazing for being here. Thank you for being my guest. Oh, we're so excited to be here with you. We think the world of you. The world's lucky because they got Joe. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And I, I already know that's true about what you guys are doing out there in the world. So let's let's get into it. Um, first of all, let's tell everyone where in the world you guys are at. Where do you live? Scottsdale, Arizona. Beautiful Scottsdale. We're Beautiful looking Scottsdale. right now looking out of the Sonoran Preserve. <laughs> awesome. The weather is perfect finally. It's been a hot summer, but it's wonderful now. Well, I've had a chance to get to know you guys and spend some time with you. And so I'm going to kind of dig in and dive into some of the concepts in your new book. I have it next to me. I have read it cover to cover. Um, you've got it here. And it's it's actually very meaty, by the way. People looking at this, sometimes they don't get the depth of the book. It's uh, how many pages is this book? It's over, over almost 300 pages. It's very meaty. I think it could have maybe been been broke into a couple different books. I'm yeah. sure you've been told that already. Um, but, and this is a theme that's kind of showed up a few times in your work, Mark. And so for people watching this, I know it's in the description of the show. Mark is the co-creator, the founder of the Chicken Soup for the Soul series that went on to sell somewhere in the neighborhood over 500 million copies, I think of that book, and then probably approaching a billion by now. And a bunch of other books. So I have some of those books here, by the way. So I want to just make sure people understand where we're coming from. You've got the You Have a Book in You book, which is also very good, one of your newer books. I think you have a program on that. The Power of Focus was one of the earlier books I had read by you. And then one of the newer books that, one of the older books, but one of the newer ones I had read was The Crack in the Millionaire Code, which is really good. And that's just some of them. How many books have you written, Mark? Uh, now 312. What's happened is that because we've come back out of the shadows, so to speak, with this podcast, publishers are coming to us in droves. And what they've done is they've taken, you know, I've done 38 major sets of tapes. It's so like skyrockets, like living your dream and yeah. visualizing is realizing. And overnight, they've put them back into books. And I said, you got to finish this this week. And I've been going crazy because we've been doing you, like you said, before we began, we're doing two to four podcasts a day, which People who've never done a podcast don't know that everybody you get interviewed by is totally, absolutely different, and they've got their own set of stuff going on in their own audience. Whether it's a, a you know, I'm helping turn around the country of Australia, so it is in, in Vietnam. Uh, they took my One Minute Millionaire book and it's made it number one, and, and they're trying to keep it uh, economically viable and keep China out. So it's it, we're in the most exciting time in history, and I know for some people hanging on by their fingernails, we're going to show them we've been there and we want to help them get out. So you you uh, you have a secret weapon though for your la your latest book, which is Crystal. Um, <laughs> She's the secret I've ever had, and I'm going to keep her that way. <laughs> Crystal's influence in this book shines through, Mark. Um, 
because I'm familiar with the stuff that she Dow does and, and, and the type of coaching and work that she does. And it, it shines right through in this book, Crystal. Um, let's talk about it. So let's, let's dive into it. And by the way, just for everyone listening, you said t- how many podcasts per week you're going on or per day? Usually two, two a day, five. two to five. And some <laughs> days we've been up to seven. And at the end of the day, your day. Mind, my mind is melted. Yeah. So you're doing two to five on average per day to get the word out about this message that's in this book, which I think, you know, you see it like I see it. It's like an obligation to get this into the hands of people. It's putting hope and inspiration and and actionable steps into the hands of the people that are reading the book. But you guys are doing it. I mean, I hope everyone takes note because some people here might go, well, I want to write a book someday or I have a book in me and I want to put a book out. This is what it takes, what you guys are doing to get it out there. Doesn't the, the, the readership doesn't fall out of the trees. You have to go do it. So I want you to talk more about that shortly. We'll get we'll get into that and we'll take some questions from the people that will be joining us here. But um, one of my favorite chapters in the book is the seven roadblocks to asking. So let's talk about the power of ask, maybe where the book kind of came from, and then maybe share what one or two of these roadblocks are to what stops us from asking to get what we want. Right. So just starting from the beginning, when Mark and I decided to write this book, we realized, Joe, that, you know, through every adversity, every problem, every challenge we've gone through in our lives, the only way we were able to get out of that challenge and move forward is by a series of asking questions. And so we, we realized that questions have been one of the most important things in our lives to keep cre- creating and recreating our success. And uh, we wanted to share that message. And um, what we discovered is there are actually three channels through which um, we all need to learn to ask. And those are ask yourself, ask others, and ask God. And each of those channels is equally important. Um, I can let you talk to that a little bit, or we can get into the right into the roadblocks. But No, let's talk about that first, because the three channels really makes up the premise of the entire book. And I think it's, I think it's important for people to hear. Right. So, you know, the asking yourself part is really that reflective journey. I mean, there's no way we can move forward unless we understand where we are and what we want in life. And so, um, you know, as a transformational life coach, I, I teach people that while it appears that your life is happening outside of you and it's just coming at you, life is just coming at you and you're trying to duck and dodge and keep all the balls in the air. That's actually an illusion your life experience, the life that you actually experience is created from the inside out. And once you realize that, it is so empowering. But part of that journey is the reflective journey. In transformational coaching, it's all about that reflective journey and going back and asking the questions that lead to the answers that you need. And so that reflective journey, that ask yourself part, Mark and I say there are three critical phases to that. And the first phase being, you know, where am I now? Because you can't begin to know how to move forward unless you understand where you are right now at this moment. And all of the little sub-questions that come under, where am I now? What, what's working in my life? What's not working? What do I love? Have I been doing this forever and I'm not even passionate about it? And there's like a hundred questions that will unfold under that where am I now question. The second phase is where do I want to be? And Mark and I find it astounding that so few people take this time with themselves to, to figure out where they really want to be. They just keep, you know, moving through their lives, keeping their head down. 
and not even questioning, like, is this what I really wanted? And it's sort of like a meteor hurtling through space that just is in constant motion, but never stopping to, to figure it all out and make sure that it, you're actually going in the right direction. And so on, in, in that phase, where do I want to be? That really requires, you know, bringing your imagination and saying, you know, we like to say, go to the nth degree of what you want. Imagine for a second that you have the greatest career. Your career is exactly what you want it to be. Now ask the questions backwards. You know, what am I doing in this perfectly successful career? Who am I talking to every day? Who are my colleagues? Who are my clients? What what are the results I'm getting? And in that way, when you start to ask all those questions, the answers will start to surface and you literally start to engineer your life backwards in a way. And it's, it's miraculous because you'll start to see the exact path forward that you need to take when you do this questioning process. And then the final phase of that asking yourself part is, okay, so where am I now? Where do I want to be? And then what specific action do I need to take to get there? Okay. Because once you start asking these questions, you just can't sit on the sofa and wrap your blanket around yourself and think it's all going to turn out okay, right? You need to put your asking journey into action. So you start to get these breakthroughs. You start to get illuminations. Well, you need to run to the phone and pick it up and call that person you just thought of. Or you need to research that information that just came in front of you that because you were asking, how would you ever figure this out? And then miraculously you get a piece of information. I mean, that's how the universe works. You ask a question, you get the feedback. And so you need to really put that in action to make things change. And and sometimes it's not always good feedback if we ask the wrong questions or for our, our mutual friend, Rex Sykes says, you know, this is, this is a concept of directional thinking and you send your brain on this, on this purposeful, positive search but the other side of the coin is in these phases, people might find themselves getting stuck by asking the wrong questions. Like, why, why am I like this? And how come I'm, you know, what, what did I do to get myself in this mess? And why am I in this rut? And that does, that's not a good part of that phrase one, because you're really just saying, well, no, get honest with yourself about where you're at, but don't dwell on what happened to get you there because you're, you're, you're you've got another phase to look at, which is this. And I know you're the king of thinking big, Mark. But and that's really what I want to ask is how, how do you get people in that phase two if they've been honest with themselves and they decide where they're at, they're kind of their point A. How do you get someone to think big who's not really used to that or haven't given haven't given themselves permission to think big? Okay, two questions there. Number one is it fits the right, ask yourself, ask others, ask God. When I went bankrupt, because I asked the wrong question that what you're talking about directional questioning. Yeah. It, when, when I lost everything, $2 million in one day, I'd been building geodesic domes in New York. I built the Wall Street Record Club, Botanical Gardens, Aviaries, Homes, and all of a sudden, the oil, and we were building out of plastic, long time, PVC, and there was an oil embargo. And the Arabs said, we can write checks of bigger banks. And months. I said, oh, my God, what if I go bankrupt? And I checked a book out of the library, how to go bankrupt by myself. So for six months, I was upside down sleeping in a sleeping bag in front of another guy's room. But then intuitively, I knew this third thing, which is ask God. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do? And I said, I want to talk to people that care about things that matter, that make a life transforming difference. I was living in Hicksville, Long Island, New York, went to my three roommates at breakfast, said, any of you guys know somebody young, not a doctor, not a lawyer, not a famous person, not a celebrity that's making money as a speaker? And I said, yeah, this kid's a few years older than you. He's in Hawpaw talking to the rulers. Here's my ticket. Go and see him. This kid became my best friend, Chip Collins, but he wowed the audience, mesmerized 500 people. 
at the end of which I walked up and I asked, I said, Chip, can I take you to lunch and learn how to do this? He said, look, kid, chance is one in a thousand. You're going to make it. You're not going to make it, but I'll tell you what to do. But you got to stay out of real estate. I own the five boroughs. You do life insurance. Well, I did a thousand talks a year the first three years because once, you know, we're all in this cocoon thanks to COVID. You need to be doing this self-examination. Crystal was so articulating. And then I asked myself to do it. And then I knocked on doors and either was doing a talk or selling talks and did a thousand a year for three years. Tony Robbins and I talked once and we're the only ones that did it. And then people said, well, do you have that story in a book? And I tripled my income in one year. I did a little book, not this one, but it was stand up, speak out and win. Sold 20,000 copies at $10 each, took in $200,000. This isn't a New York Times bestseller. This is an international bestseller. This isn't a national bestseller, but it's my bestseller. And I want to sign it to you, your wife, your kids, and your dog, if you'll let me do it. And and I sold 20,000, made 200,000. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I was just, oh, I was excited. And I've never stopped writing. And amazing. 12 books with my name or co-name on it. It's the beginning. It started... And everybody can pivot. And that's what I'm saying. Everybody needs to reinvent themselves, rethink it. And that's why one more pitch for, for our book is that what we're finding out with all these letters that we're getting is that when two people get together and they go through every question in the book, they find out they've got this great butterfly, our corporate symbol of universal freedom that's ready to go into high, shiny, beautiful flight, metaphorically. And, and there's a uh, there's a common theme that keeps coming out here, which is, this massive action that you're so willing to take to get what you want and along the way asking the right questions. But um, I'm going to keep bringing it up because it keeps coming out, which is when you said you did like how many to- 2000 talks? <laughs> no, a thousand a year for the first a three thousand years. a year for the first. Once we came out with chicken soup, Crystal's got a great story about Charlie Green where I'm standing boldly in front of an audience asking. Right. Well, and, you know, I just want to back that up a little bit because it's so important. Mark was so sure that when he came out of college and he had studied under Buckminster Fuller, I was such a genius that he needed to be Bucky. He needed to do Bucky's work. And he thought that's that's what he was destined to do. Well, he failed. And, you know, when we fail miserably, it's not because we're stupid or inept. A lot of times it's just feedback from the universe that's telling us you're on the wrong track. This isn't what you're supposed to be doing. And thank God he failed. Thank God he went bankrupt. Thank God he went through those difficult situations. But then he was wise enough to ask the right questions. Like, what is my greatest purpose? Starting with asking yourself, what am I supposed to do? What am I good at? What what makes me feel happy? Because Mark knew what made him feel happy was lighting people up and speaking people, like he said, about things that care you know the matter to make a life changing <laughs> difference and all of that and that and like when he asked god it's like yeah that's it the feeling you get you're like yeah i'm on the right track well that's how that's the only way chicken soup would have come to life and think of the millions of lives that have been changed so i think that's a huge lesson to not be afraid to fail but then always take the courage have the courage to sit down with yourself and start asking the questions there is a destiny for you you just need to ask your way forward this is an important message, especially during the times that we're in right now. Your book is very timely for that. Um, this leads me to some of these roadblocks that we have that I think resonated so well with me because some of them I've had, some of them I still have, some of them I don't know that I have. And going through these these seven, um, you just touched on fear, as, which is one of them. Um, but what are, what, are your, what are the couple of the ones that you tend to see stand out the most that you could maybe give people advice on here? You know, um, unworthiness is a huge one. Yeah, um, which is your first one. 
Yeah, which is the first one. Mm. And first of all, what Mark and I realized when we wrote this is like everyone has at least one of these roadblocks, if not more. Probably we've experienced all of them at one time in our lives. Yeah. So they're really important to pay attention to because they do shut us down from getting what we really want and deserve in life. And so the unworthiness piece is really just about that childhood conditioning that subtly, at really subtle levels, keeps keeps telling us. It's like this nagging little thing that's telling us we really don't deserve more. We don't deserve better. Um, we were on a podcast earlier this morning, and this woman recalled this um, message. Her grandmother used to say, you know, she used to have these big ideas, and she'd say them out loud. And her grandmother used to say, oh, you know, hey there, don't get too big for your britches, little girl. And and we all got messages like that, right, yeah. from our childhood. I got that exact one. Right? So mm-hmm. we're being conditioned. How dare yeah. you dream big? How dare you dream big? How dare you let your imagination soar? All of us yeah. have So that unworthiness is a big one. The next one is naivete. And this is really a, a, a critical one, too, that people often don't recognize, Joe. That's why I want to talk about it. Because I, I tell this story in the book about um, – this lovely Filipina woman who worked for our family when my children were very little. I, my two daughters were born 16 months apart. So it was a bit crazy at our house. So she was wonderful. She'd come in and help with the kids and she cooked these amazing dishes from her homeland. We all loved Melda so much, but one day she showed up with this fruit and cut it up on a plate in the morning and handed it to me and said, try this crystal. And, and it was like juicy and orange. And I tasted it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is the best fruit I've ever tasted. What is it? And she goes, it's a mango. I was like, a mango? How come I've never tasted a mango before? Like, I can't can't believe it. I'm like, I've traveled all over Europe. I've done all these things. I thought I was pretty worldly. But it made me think, what else am I missing that is really wonderful because I'm just naive? You know, I'm naive. I grew up in Idaho where there's a whole bunch of potatoes, but no mangoes. (laughs) So I'm naive that that even exists. But all of us are naive to so many things, right? Just because we have no experience of it. So we don't even think to look for it. And that's the curiosity piece. That's where we need to, you know, revive our curiosity to start asking and wondering about everything. You know, who is this person that I'm just passing by that I have an opportunity to meet? That that person could possibly be my best future best friend or my uh, great business connection or something like that. But I'm not even curious. I'm just so naive to everything that's going around, uh, on around me. And uh, what other opportunities am I passing by? So it made me really reflect back and in make a deliberate effort to try to be more curious about everything because I am naive. We're all naive. We don't know everything, but that's where we need to depend on our curiosity. Uh, You know, you talk about this being people are unaware of what's possible in the book. And I think that people don't have this possibility thinking that you're alluding to, you know, so what, what would be your advice to, give people it what's a tool or what's something that people could do to open up their mind and be more explorative and more open to this this possibility and you're you guys are possibility thinkers so this is so relevant i'm going to put that with your last question about you know how do i think so big and what we're saying in the book is the size of the question determines the size of your result so what we need mm. to do is ask bigger and bigger questions. And, and financially, it means that most of us say, well, boy, if I could only be a millionaire, well, maybe that's not enough. Maybe you got to have 10 million to really get excited. Maybe you need to write down you want 100 million to get excited or a billion. And and, and if you break that down, we just one is with the top psychiatrist in the morning on his podcast, Dr. Meyer, who's on everybody's show and has millions and millions <laughs> of listeners. But Paul said, 
was interesting. He said, you know, I, I said, let me analyze what you're saying, Paul. What you're really saying is we can only be happy if we're challenged because he said so many people are not challenging themselves. And this, this COVID has shut down people with what you alluded to a minute ago is fear, false evidence, fearing is real. Yeah. And what we got to do is break through the fear and say, hey, wait a second, whatever's happening, I'm going to break through and go deliver my best version of myself. And the best example of that is Elon Musk. They shut down his Tesla plant in, in uh, Fremont, California, and he immediately called up the guy at 3M and said, hey, you can't make all those um, ventilators. Let me help you. I got 3D printing. I got engineers. I got I got metal. I got all the stuff you need. He started making them, but then he also made 90,000 cars while GM and Ford was shut down. He became the fourth richest guy in the world during a time he was technically shut down. But the point is, if you are a inner winner, if you decide to think big, there's there's no stopping you. You'll go under, over, around, or through to get to the other side to your objective. And what, what we're saying in this book is buddy up with somebody. Get a mastermind. One and one equals 11. Go through every question in the book, and you start to have this evolution, this transformation of your soul and spirit and mind and heart and finance and, and life and lifestyle. And then you have an opportunity to go toward your absolute destiny, which is our subtitle in the book, because if you're alive, you've got a destiny and you're here to fulfill it. And temporarily, you may be crushed, but we're going to uncrush you with good questions, we think. Well, this is, I love that 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 uh, suggestion of the mastermind. You said one, one plus one equals 11. Um, and a mastermind doesn't mean that you have to identify one that, you know, is going to cost you an investment or have an investment to it. It can just be you and some like-minded people getting together, putting your ideas and your, and, and your, uh, yeah, you, you put your eyes to get to the ideas together in a book. Um, but that will also keep you motivated because you can both have something in common. And I don't think enough people do this. They, even the ones that are sitting at home right now going, I'm still kind of quarantined. I still can't really go out. Some of the states aren't that opened, right? So, you know, this is the time. And I've seen this with some groups pop up. There's a group that I'm a part of, and they kind of form their own mastermind. And there's about 20 of them. And I'm like, this is pretty cool what you guys have done. You know, you've kind of, you're all like-minded entrepreneurs trying to get to that next level. And rather than kind of wallowing all the crap that's going on, you guys decided to do something about it, put your heads together and built this this little community of a mastermind. And I have a mastermind of my own. I'm part of a mastermind I meet every week with. I know the value of that. It's so- Me too. My whole business was built during the mastermind because I was coming out of bankruptcy. We started to meet with a guy, the biggest guy with a church from Harlem, curious enough. We met with a Chase Manhattan bank guy. And, and what we did is once you went in that mastermind energy, what Napoleon Hill wrote when he interviewed Andrew Carnegie, who's the richest man in the world, said two or more, gathered in the spirit, spirit, spirit of cooperative harmony, perform a third new mind that is invincible and unstoppable. And if you got in front of me and I was trying to sell uh, my seminars to you, Joe, at that time, and you were a manager of a life insurance company, you were, you were done. Before I got there, you had already bought because my energetic was going out because a mastermind just made me feel full of spirit, strong, and, and, and literally oh, invincible. So, okay, one of the seven roadblocks that I know we didn't, you pointed out that you're two favorite, but I, I really like the one on excuses because my, my favorite chapter in The Magic of Thinking Big, I love that book. But my, the, me, I, for me, I could just tell people, buy that book and just read chapter two, um, which talks about excusitis. And 
um, so this, to me, this is a really important one. This, we tend to tell ourselves stories that we believe. We, we, we have excuses that we wouldn't think are excuses, but they actually are. So talk to me and let's get kind of real with people about what, what, what do you mean by excuses? Right. People have um, a roadblock. Right. Exactly. It's such a good question, Joe. And I love it too. Um, people don't think they're excuses because they go, well, yeah, I have these kids and I have to take care of them. So I can't, that's why I can't get this done. Or, you know, I have all these other obstacles or now I'm taking care of my mother this month. All of these things, you know, that we say, we, we put it out there as the reason we can't do it and, and we'll get to it later. The other part of excuses is, you know, um, stubborn pride. You know, a lot of times it's like, no, I don't really need help. I, I don't need to ask anyone. It's okay. Uh, you know, because there are some people that would rather die than ask someone for help seriously. And, it, and it's really a big problem because that, that really is that pride that, that is stopping you from possibly reaching your potential, from possibly making that key connection that you need to make or finding out something that you need to know that you just keep making as excuses. No, I don't really need to. I'm fine. I can figure it out myself. I can figure it out myself. That's just an excuse because there's so there are so many resources out there for all of us. If we're just willing to ask and start to be curious and start to probe, start to probe the world, start to probe the universe, ask the questions, ask other people. And um, really come clean with our excuses, right? And, and may I add, Joe? Please. Uh, Henry Ford says, whether you think you can or whether you think you can't, you're right. So what happens is that, because I've written 312 books and I've never missed a deadline. And, and recently we've had some deadlines that came to us that I didn't know was, were going to happen. And they came like that. And they said, well, you got to have it done by this weekend. I went, <laughs> oh, my gosh. And what happens is that there's a law called Parkinson's Law. Time expands or contracts based on what you put on it in this case an excuse you say well i don't have the time because i got this this and this whereas if you say i got to get it done all of a sudden your mind goes into warp speed because what crystal likes to teach so brilliantly is all of us are not endowed we're over endowed with four times more talent skill abilities and genius than we've ever used and what we're doing with these questions i really believe based on the pounds of letters that we're now getting people are changing their mind changing their heart changing their soul changing their future just because they're going like this, they got little little kids, like we got grandkids that go like this, say, Grampy, I got windshield wipers, right? And they're wiping away the excuses and going for their destiny. And it's really exciting to us. I, I get, you know, a lot of my audience are digital consultants, uh, newer entrepreneurs, startup entrepreneurs, starting their own marketing agencies, because um, I have courses in that. And I, you know, they always come and they want the tactics of sales. They want the tactics of marketing. When what's really missing is is this mindset stuff that you're talking about right now, and also, you know, you talk about in the book about leading with questions, and and it's how it's my sales process too. It's if you if you're going to start off any sales conversation, it needs not. It's not about you. It's not about what you know who you are. It's about what kind of questions could you ask them to reveal and give you information that you might be able to then gather and propose something that can help them, but you have to be able to diagnose before you prescribe. And so I always talk about leading with questions too, but I do want to talk about the, some concepts in the books. Um, Cause that's kind of a given with people listening. They already know I teach this. You talk about holding up mirror questions and I want you to tell, tell everyone about that. You've got a couple of cool techniques in this book. Um, yeah. This one is one of them. Go ahead. I didn't mean to. Oh, okay. No. So holding up the mirror. It's really just being able to look at yourself. You know, look at yourself and ask your and, and every, you know, every context is different, but really looking at yourself 
and be able to answer those questions honestly. What are you really seeing? What's really going on? Um, either personally with your relationships, with your career um, success or lack of it. Um, the only way you can get through that, and we list a lot of specific examples um, in the book, but and it, it's so contextual depending on what you're trying to accomplish. But until you can hold up that mirror and ask yourself these honest questions by doing that process we're talking about, you know, that reflective journey where you're asking yourself, what's really going on here, basically? And I- how do you get someone to let go of the fear of, if I answer that question, I'll feel bad? Well, rather than feel bad, you'll feel glad if you know where you're going and what's going to make you happy. And and when Jack and I did Chicken Soup, we I'd interviewed the 101 best-selling authors of fiction and nonfiction. And I didn't ask them how to write. I know how to write, or I thought I did. And I said, tell me how you marketed uh, Dr. Scott Peck, who wrote Less Travel and made, sold more yeah. books than anybody in 58 Weeks, number one. We waited on his name, put ours, put it on the mirror in Jack's mirror at home and office and mine. And and, that. and now we're doing exactly the same thing. I got them printed out yesterday that says how many books we've sold. Because you got to, what Crystal's saying is, when you're doing the mirror technique, where do you want to be? What does it look like coming backwards? And we've already, you've got to come. <clears throat> Our teacher Neville says you got to live in the assumption of the wish fulfilled, meaning you got to be where you want to go. And that's what Christ said. Pray is of the thing for which you're praying has been received. Sounds like gobbledygook. If you don't understand, your mind has got to, it will take you anywhere you want to go. But if you keep muddling along, excuse, I can't do it. I can't write it. I can't think it. I can't get that job. I yeah. can't get that client. I can't get that career. I can't build my agency. Then that's what you'll have. But if you say, I'm going to have the most magnificent agency ever. I'm going to have the best digital marketing ever in history. I'm going to make more money than I've ever even thought possible. I'm going to have the best employees and partners and spouse. And you start going there. That's what manifests. And can I just add something to that? The the holding up the mirror questions. It's like what I tell people is the truth will set you free. And I know sometimes it's hard. It's hard to to look at yourself. It's hard to look at what's going wrong. But you have to identify. It's not about... um, you know, criticizing yourself or condemning yourself. It's about getting to a truth point because you can't, otherwise you're living in illusion and you'll never, you'll just flounder and flounder and flounder. And the truth, you know, it's stark sometimes. It's like, I I tell this story about, you know, when I was very young, one of my most difficult situations was uh, um, I, when I'm 16 years old, you know, I, I, high school was easy for me. So I accelerated my curriculum and graduated at age 16 from high school and married a guy five years older than I, not a great life plan. Right. So two and a half years later, I'm in a city all by myself with a baby on my hip, no job. I'm divorced. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life literally. So I did the only thing I could think of, and that was to apply for food stamps. So I'm standing in line that day at ready to exchange my food stamps for grow my groceries and diapers. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm standing there and it was like uh, this epiphany just hit me. I, it was like a light sh- was shining on my head and a question dropped into my mind. And it was like, how did I get here? And followed by a second question that was, are you doing everything you can to get out of this situation? Or are you taking the easy way out? And it, it was so profound. I heard that question in my mind and I was like, I knew the answer. I knew exactly that I wasn't doing everything I could. I was taking the easy way out. And um, it really, it created this fierceness inside of me yeah. because it, it was my moment of truth because the truth will set you free. And as 
this all happened in a nanosecond, but for me, it was like time slowed down. And I, as I was turning those food stamps over to the cashier, I did it with so much fierceness. She, she probably thought I was angry or something, but I didn't, I didn't say it, but I was thinking this will not be my future. So I went home and I started asking myself more questions because I didn't have any answers, but I had a lot of questions, you know? And so I just started asking like, how can I make money tomorrow? How can I pull myself out of this huge rut? How can I change my life? Who would hire me with the skills that I have? Um, fortunately, I worked at, from a young age. So I, I heard on the radio about temporary service agencies like Kelly Services. Yeah. I called, filled out the applications, got going with that. They would call you and tell you, you know, give you job opportunities. You could say yes or no. So I started filling in at doctor, or, you know, uh, attorney's offices. I was selling at conventions, you know, when conventions would come through town. And, you know, just doing a lot of different jobs. And I, I started learning a lot about myself through that experience. And I learned that I really liked business and I especially like sales. So I ended up putting myself through real estate school wow. after making enough money. And a year and a half from that time um, that I was turning those food stamps over to the cashier, I was now working for the top home builder in my valley. I became the number one realtor. And... Um, Incidentally, I had gone out and also asked the modeling agency to sign me. Unfortunately, they had said yes. And I ended up doing a couple of um, commercials that went national. So I was getting residuals from Screen Actors Guild and these great benefits for myself and my son. But I often thought back to that moment where I had asked myself those tough questions. And I'm so thankful that I was able to do that. And, and more importantly, that I was able to answer them honestly, because it would have been easy. I have to be honest with you. I was crying every night, going in my, you know, going to bed every night, look, getting eviction notices every month. So it would be really easy. I had a lot of good excuses. I was young, mother, you know, someone needs to take care of me. But I'm thankful I, I didn't cave into those excuses because there was a better path for me. And I think sometimes we have to hold up the mirror and ask ourselves those tough questions and then be willing to answer them really with a lot of courage and honesty. And if we're willing to do that, life will change dramatically. We literally have to be our own parent sometimes. I I have a, another acronym for the word fear, if you don't mind me sharing. I love the one that you gave, which I use. And the other one is what you're describing, which is face everything and rise. I love that. And love that. that's really what you're saying that you did here. It's It's amazing. And it shows your resilience, but it also is indicative of when you have a clear fix, uh, vision of your future and your URL is has the word vision in it. We'll share that here shortly. The When you have a clear vision of your future, it's and you can see it and it's not blurry or fuzzy or unclear and and uh, it's and it's something that you can genuinely aim for it. It's it moves you presently to action once you've kind of let go of of that attachment to where you are that you think you might have been stuck in if you didn't have that clear vision out of the future. So that was a pivotal. You talk about pivots in your book. That's the second section of your book. I think it is pivoting to your destiny. But in in right now, you just said this was a pivotal moment for you, but you saw a better future for you and your son. That's right. And Everybody can learn from that. You, you have you, before we transition from asking ourselves to how do we ask other people 
In fact, let's do that. It, it, having the courage to ask other people for something that we want or ask for something that we need information on or whatever is an important one. You use the term in your book, have the respect to ask. That like shook me to the core because it's a it's a shift and a reframe of how we think about asking, which is like it's like an obligation, like have the, the respect to ask. Like, can you talk about that for a little bit? Because I think it's prof it's a profound statement. Right. Absolutely. So just to frame this up a little bit, you know, people are really afraid to ask others um, yeah. for anything, you know, uh, information, help, favors, all those things. And we looked at the studies about asking and it shows that uh, people going into the study, people, um, their perception going into the study was that if they asked for things that they would be perceived as being pushy, obnoxious, uninformed, stupid, you know, all of these things, we all have these preconceived notions that if we ask, this is what, how we're going to be perceived. The studies revealed the opposite, okay, that if you are willing to just ask for what you need, you know, ask for help, advice, information, assistance, that you're 80% more likely to get your request granted than if you just sit back and think, oh, someone will figure it out and help me along the way, right? So that's, you know, profoundly eye-opening for all of us, that all of these things we think, all of these fears we carry, all of these roadblocks are really unfounded. That's why we need to release them, because the results of asking other people are usually really positive. And yeah. part of that is, you know, being curious. Another study was done that showed, you know, people are afraid even to ask too many questions like, oh, I don't want to be too nosy. I don't want to be too this or too that. Again, the opposite is true. People who asked more questions were found to be more likable, okay? And felt and people felt like they were more respectful, just getting back to what you said. So it, that's the curiosity piece. Um, wanting to know more about someone else is a great sign of respect. And when we you know, dive into those questions and start asking people more about them, their business, their career, particularly in sales and business, you are more likely, the studies show you're more likely to be perceived as a likable client. You'll get more business. And in personal relationships, they even did, a, Harvard did a study on dating. The more you asked questions um, because of that respect factor, um, the more likely you were to get a second date. So being a great question asker is so essential to every success in life. Well, I won't give away the goods, but you actually give the strategies and the steps to become a good asker in the book. Um, there's there's four pieces of that, I recall, and um, I'm not going to reveal it here. We want people to get the book, but I do want to <laughs> emphasize how awesome what you said was about, and I want everyone to understand this because this transcends you know, personal life, yeah. sales, uh, negotiations, business, when you said that asking makes you more likable and makes you more um, respectful. Yep. And there's an interesting exercise I used to do with, with companies when I used to work in sales training and I used to work with sales leadership teams. And I would say to the management teams, this is how, this is a fun one to do with management and above is write down on a piece of paper. What's more important to you to be respected or to be respectful. And it was shocking to me how many people 
this is, I mean, I already know what your guys' answer is, which is be respectful. And one way you can do that is by asking questions. But it is not everyone's belief system. There is definitely a good percentage, not a small one either, of leadership, people in leadership for a long extended amount of time who say, well, no, if someone is respectful to me first, then they've, then they've earned the respect back, uh, but I have to be respected first. And I'm like, wow, so that's more important to you. And those were the managers that were struggling. You know, it wasn't, it is, you know, the CEO's in the room going, oh my gosh, you know, pull out his hair, listening to his answers. But if it, this is an important one, because if this is true, and if you believe it to be true, and none of this matters, it matters what's, what's useful for you to believe here. If it's useful and, you, and it's true that asking makes you more respectful, and someone will perceive you that way and like you more. How should you lead your sales conversations? How should you lead your one-on-one -on -one personal conversation with new people that you meet with questions? Exactly. And starting at nine years old, when I desperately wanted a bicycle and I didn't quite understand that my immigrant Danish father running a bakery didn't have the money to buy today. It'd be like a Trek bike that's 4,750 bucks. <clears throat> so I said, could I earn up my, can I have it if I earn it myself? Because he said, Free enterprise means the more enterprising you are, the freer you are. Never thinking I could turn around that money, but like that picture I said of our goals of how many books we want to sell, I had a picture of Ride a Wheel on Sheffield Steel, and then I'm reading Boy Scout Life magazine that said you can sell greeting cards and consignment. I said, what a cool idea. Then when I looked it up, what it meant, I went to all the neighbor's houses. My mother was a great saleswoman, taught me how to sell, and I smiled, and I said, I'm earning my own bicycle. Would you like to invest in one box of Christmas cards or two? Well, one month I sold 326 boxes of Christmas cards, earned a dollar a box. They cost $2. And I had enough money for the bicycle back then. And it was like, the right question. Because it gave me freedom. And, and what everybody needs to do is learn how to positively ask with respect and to be respectful simultaneously and let their destiny be fulfilled. Because questions have been our answer. And that's what we're saying to everybody now. And it, it's sort of a mind blower to us that so many people have never learned this one master technology, which is master the technology of asking in your life will unfold, whether you're educated or uneducated, skilled or unskilled, trained or untrained, it'll open up all the doors so you can get all the training that you need. You're the first person that I've ever heard refer to asking as a technology. I love that. It totally is. If you don't yeah. know it, you can't use it. If you've been intimidated, like Crystal likes to say, you know, most parents are saying, oh, come on. It, when you were little, Joey, come yeah. on. You don't, you can ask too damn many questions. Would you just put a cork in it? Or you went to school and said, yeah. Joe, you're supposed to sit there and let me plug in all this information. Then you go to business or you go to military and they say, you are supposed to be obedient. What are you asking me? I'm going to tell you what to do and you're going to know how to do it. Not the right way to do it. You've got a brain, which is an inventory. It holds the information, but the mind can only think under the aegis of questions. And the minute you ask these questions, crystallize, like say, you get illumination, you get revelation, you get solution, you get insight, and you'll even wake up in the middle of the night and go, I get it, because you cannot ask a question without the answer inundating you ultimately and inevitably. Bad and good, so make them good. Yeah, make them good. <laughs> good <laughs> um, this is an important one for parents. I'm a parent. I have nine children, you know, seven in the home under the age of 16. And I've caught myself going, you know, you're asking too many questions or, you know, you know, that's, that's or, or, you know, shutting them down. But I've, I've really learned to say first, you know what, I'm glad you're asking. 
Cool. And I'll lead with that, even though it might be the wrong question. I'm, I'm Listen, first, I'm really glad you're asking this. Second, no. <laughs> you're not going to your friend's house. Um, but but uh, I, I think this is a parent. This is parenting advice. I hope people are hearing it. <laughs> well, it, it, when we were in Hawaii on vacation two years ago, we get a little call from a gizmo watch. And there's only our little seven-year-old uh, grandson has a gizmo watch ever. He got it for Christmas. And he can only calls his parents and us, the grandparents. And he says, Grampy? I said, yes. He says, okay, I call you. I said, son, you, I told you 24-7, you can call me anytime, anywhere, and I'll always answer your call. I promise you. And he says, well, are you alone? I said, no, I'm with Mimi. That's the name she goes by. And and uh, said, so, well, can I ask you a big question? I said, yeah. I said, you still... You know those chicken soup for the soul books? I said, yes, sir. I sold a half billion of them. Anything else? He said, uh, are you still writing books? I said, yes, sir. He said, ask me, me, but can I write that next book with you too? Uh, and of course we said, yes. So his is a first story in a book because little kids are, are not intimidated unless they're squished, squashed, and crushed by a parent who doesn't know the brilliant thing that you just said and did with your seven kids. Very, very insightful. I hope everyone's listening to this. Um, very insightful. I love it. Okay, let's. Um, you, how does someone become a grantor of wishes? You talk about you know the power of giving in the book, right? And this is an important part of of uh, my business strategy, my sales strategy. It's an important part of my philosophy to being an entrepreneur as well as a person. So. Um, I, and I would hope that everybody who meets me knows this about me, but how do you do that? How, how do you be a grantor? Of, I love, first of all, the term. So I want to, I just like saying it, grantor of wishes. Grantor of wishes. I know. We love that too, Joe. And it's honestly the other side of that balanced wheel or that balanced circle of asking. I mean, it's so important for us as human beings to learn to ask because it, it's yeah. how we discover ourselves. It's how we bond with other people and forge those bonds. And it's also how we connect with God in the universe. So that's really important, but it's also important to balance our circle or balance our wheel by learning to also be a grantor of wishes. Yeah. We call it being a grantor of wishes. There's something that happens to a human being when we can help someone else, when we can grant someone's request or wish, or just help them or be of assistance in some way. It is one of the biggest self-esteem builders of, of all. And uh, people don't often realize that we're, we get so focused on what we want. But if we keep in mind that this whole, it's like, you know, the law of giving and receiving, it's the same thing, you know, asking and granting. So it's not like, it doesn't always work out. So every time I ask for something, I have to go grant that person something. But the law of reciprocity work, does work that way, you know. Sometimes you can always ask to be helpful to this person that you're asking. Maybe they don't, they don't need anything of you, but it's important to be giving. I, I, we feel like the universe has this way of balancing out. I mean, God's perfectly designed universe, right, is, is designed to, for balance, and it accounts for everything. So if you're just taking, taking, taking and never giving, that's out of balance, and, and it's usually not a great result. So even if it's not to that particular person that, you know, you're reciprocating with, how are you reciprocating in your life in general? Are you a giving, generous, loving person? Because it's never, it's very, it becomes very one-sided. If all we want to do is ask, 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 and pull on people. And when 
you can always um, detect a person like that who's out of balance. Um, sometimes we call them energy vampires. Yes. You know, people like that where they're just like they just pull and pull and pull on you and don't realize that that's, that's not appropriate. There has to be this balance of giving and taking, giving and receiving, asking and granting. And, but it is such a beautiful thing to be a grantor of wishes, and it does something really beautiful inside. And there's a wonderful story. I love the story about Jim Rowan. Maybe a lot of people know Jim Rowan on this podcast. I'm not sure, um, you know, in this. I love him. Yeah, he's an incredible guy, but he tells a story about how, um, and I should let Mark tell the, tell the story because he probably knows it better, but a Girl Scout came to his door. You want to tell the yeah. story? Jim and I traveled around, did all the leadership meetings literally around the world for years, and we were great best friends, traveled together a lot. But Jim, when he was a young man and not being very successful, had a little girl knock at the door, and he goes to the door and says, yes, what can I do for you? And she says, well, I'm selling these Girl Scout cookies. Would you like the Thin Mints or the other ones? And he says, oh, I'm so sorry. My... Um, kitchen cabinet is full with them and i get goosebumps telling the story because it's such truth and and she says oh that's okay mister maybe next time and he shuts the door and he slumps down behind the door and he says i'm never letting this happen to me again being poor i felt horrible and he said i will never not have money in my pocket to buy girl scout cookies and once he started making money again he started doing really really well and then teaching it he'd always carry he said two thousand dollars in his pocket and if he went into like an Albertson store and the little girls were out there and they said, oh, so you're selling Girl Scout cookies? And he said, how many boxes you got? I said, 18. So I'll take them all. I said, mister, <laughs> you are some kind of guy. He said, because I learned my lesson. I, I want to be a grantor of wishes and not a thief wow. of letting those little girls and, and the Girl Scout, which is a great organization, yeah. they can go on. We're like, my daughters were all Girl Scouts and great ones. Thank you. What a great story and a great way to find motivation. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're saying is that when we're in a crucible of adversity, which a lot of people are now in this COVID lockdown, is it yeah. like either grinds you down or polishes you up and makes you shiny and radiant so you can yeah. go and explore all those opportunities? Because we're going to come out of this. We're going to come out of it fast. And those of us that are awake, alive, enthusiastic, tuned in and turned on and listening to podcasts like yours are going to go toward their destiny and they're going to source and serve a lot of other people because when you make a million, you employ directly and indirectly 10. When you make a billion, you do 10,000 plus people. We need more billionaires. We need more millionaires. We need more people fulfilling their destiny because when you have money, you can fulfill the rest of your soul's desires. Uh, Well said. I love this. This is the abundance thinking that I think so much of us need to hear. And I appreciate you sharing that story. The, um, some people will look at and they will, uh, prematurely judge the, even the word ask and asking as taking, and that's not what it's about. The book is about what you're hearing here. It's about, um, asking yourself, asking others to get what you want. So you can be in a position to where you can grant, be a grantor of wishes, uh, and, and get where you want to be. And I love that message in the book. And I think it gives people um, a lot of hope and it gives people a strategy and a technology. I love it. The technology Asking is a technology, everyone. That should be the, the quote for the promotion of this when, when it's finished is that, you know, asking is a technology that you can learn. Uh, and I, I think it's important. You, you kind of, at, towards the end of the book, you talk about, you say, God loves bucket lists. 
I love okay, that, so, by the way. I don't know who yeah, came up with that. I know who too came up with that. I love that. So I went make sure really yours is written and clear. Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Mark. Sorry, Joe. I went through a really painful <laughs> divorce. I wrote down secretly 267 things. I kept asking myself, what should my ideal woman be? Because, you know, I want a hot-looking babe is what a young guy says. And a young woman says, I want a man that's like Joe Tall, dark, and handsome, right? <laughs> Pretty superficial, if, you, if you'll forgive me for being honest. So I wrote down we had to have exactly the same values. We had to be monogamous. She had to be a great dresser. She had to have the same health values I did. She wanted to want to travel. She had to have her own money because I don't want somebody marrying me for my wallet. So I had 267 things which we put in the 20th anniversary issue of Chicken Soup for the Soul. And what happened is I never told Crystal when we met, but I could feel it. It's like once you ask yourself, the stuff has to show up because what we say in the book, when you ask, universe conspires to work for you rather than against you if you're asking positively, like we've said throughout this podcast. And what happens is after we got married, I showed her the list and, and she was, I say, when you hit your your stuff, you write down victory next to you, you don't cross out like milk, eggs, and butter, because all of us pulsate, all of us have the vicissitudes of life, whether you want them or not. And just making money won't make you happy. So the point is, she is my not only soulmate, which is what I thought I wanted. But when you put two candles together, lit, it jumps eightfold. It's an exponential jump. She is my twin flame and we reflect each other. That is, that is better than my dreams, but better than your dreams only happens if you put it in writing as a technology after you ask. Again, putting it in writing as a technology as well, because people don't do this. They're not, they don't have clarity they don't see that future. The phase two that you were talking about, where do I want to be and how am I going to get there? Phase three has to be written down. Why aren't, why don't more people write down what they want? I, I think they don't do it because they don't understand the power of it. And if you even look at this from a scientific level, like look at quantum physics, I mean, quantum physically physics basically is just telling us that you, you get what you're looking for. It literally, to sum it up in one sentence, quantum physics has proven you you get what you're looking for. So if you don't ask for what you want at every level, ask yourself, ask others, ask God, you're not going to define, you're, you're not going to frame up what you're going to get. And so asking is like a frame for what you want from your life, right? It also asking and i really want the the listeners to understand this asking is really the only mechanism that can reveal what is hidden so if you're stuck if you're lost if you're uncertain if you don't have any answers there's only one thing there's only one technology that's going to reveal what's hidden yeah all these things are hidden from you right now there's only one technology that can re- reveal that that is asking so you have to deliberately take that time in your own way, like Mark and I do, we take that hour in the morning to do a meditation prayer time and then ask so many questions of each other. We ask, you know, if we're on target, if we, what are priorities? We, we pull up our priorities again. Are we on track? Are we not on track? Did we lose focus? Are we getting distracted by too many other requests? You know, all these things. I mean, there are so many, for us, there are so many opportunities that come up at us and, and we love life and we love looking at these great opportunities. But the question is, is it an opportunity that's right for us? Is it in alignment with what our purpose yeah. is on this earth? And so we all need to ask ourselves all these questions. We can get distracted and sidetracked. Um, but asking is the mechanism that will reveal everything that is hidden. 
ask ourselves, ask others, ask God. And you talked about that all in one sentence right there, paragraph. I appreciate it. You guys have been amazing. You got three things for everyone that's listening. Um, some people will be watching this for months to come, probably years, and many people will be listening on the podcast channels as well. One is you have a free book club called askthebookclub.com. We want and, everyone to get a copy of the book, uh, Ask at Amazon, because not all bookstores are open, and then go to Ask the Book Club. And on a regular basis, we're going to have these meetings, and we want everyone to become what we are calling a master asker. And when they listen to us and listen to the other people literally around the world, as you know, we're doing podcasts in Vietnam and in Australia and Europe and Asia and Africa. And it just is amazing. Everybody wants to learn how to ask. It is one of the more exciting things I've ever seen in our lives. So I'm going to put in the comments the link to the Amazon book link where people can grab it. Obviously, they can search for the book Ask. You'll find it on Amazon. And you also have a couple more things to uh, offer people. You said you would give for free. So I'm going to post these up here, and I'm going to also um, read these to people. Actually, I'm just going to put it like this. Crystal has a free audio that a free audio gift that everyone should download <laughs> yesterday. It's called, you want to talk about it real quick, Crystal, what this yeah. is? Yeah, definitely. It's called and Purge. They can get this for free. For free. Absolutely. It's called Purge Messy Thinking, Creating Pure Thoughts for Pure Results. All of us do a lot of messy thinking. And it's all of those, you know, uh, varied subconscious programs that we've taken on throughout our lives, lifetimes. And what I teach people is we've really taken on the programming of other people um, unintentionally that we don't want and doesn't serve us. And so my goal with all of my clients is to really get rid of everybody else's junk that we've allowed inside all these programs that aren't serving us and come back to this beautiful sort of clean slate zero point. So we can deliberately create exactly what it is we want. And this is a free resource. Uh, never been a better time to, to grab that because a lot of people are suffering. And where can the listeners grab it? Uh, crystalvisionlife.com. That's my website. So please go there and grab that. And It'll also be in the show notes for the people yeah. that are listening to this on the podcast. So crystalvisionlife.com. Mm -hmm. And Mark, you have something for everyone too. That is also awesome. And oh, first of all, Crystal, let me just say, everyone needs to have a little crystal on their ear. So I, I think the audio gift <laughs> is generous of you. And I think that it's, it's it's potentially very life-changing for people who get it. So get it in your ear, everyone. It's a free audio. But Mark has a free ebook. Yeah. Can you tell everyone about this? It's called How to Be Up and Down Times. I wrote it with Mitzi Purdue, who does 22 million chickens a week. If you hear chickens at Costco, you know how good they are and they're antibiotic-free and hormone-free. I'm getting her on the show, by the way. She's oh, you're, you're going to love her. <laughs> she graduated at Harvard in 1953 and looks 40. She's in dynamite shape. The point is, is that we wrote the book and in the first chapter of the book, I wrote about uh, we're going to do from 2020 to 2030, not five billion dollars worth of business, but 50 trillion spelled with a T in industries that you may not be looking at. And seeing as we've got now 30 to 50 million unemployed, underemployed, underactive people, these are new industries that know it like turning trash to cash, taking all the garbage. We create five pounds each a day turning that around. We own a company called Natural Power Concepts with great urban wind. Great things that you may not have looked at that we are going to change the world and make prosperity boom. Love it. I love it. 
guys, we're at the top of the hour, but I, I wish we could go keep, we could keep going. We, I would hope that I could have you back again someday. This has yes. been amazing. Thank you, Joe. We've loved being with you. Thanks everybody for being here with us. And yeah, let's stay in touch. Uh, you can find me at Crystal Dwyer Hansen on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the above LinkedIn. And of course the big guy, Mark Victor Hansen on all of the above. I will make sure to share all those links in the show notes. Everyone should go to them. Um, everyone needs the Hansen's uh, motivation and inspiration. And I think this book is um, one of my favorite books I've read this year. It's really good. Thank you for writing it. Thank you for being my guest. And thank you everyone for listening. And this is really my challenge to everyone to not be average. Go for it. Tune in next week for the Not Your Average Joe Show with international business mentor, Joe Soto. 